Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Kendra Petroni and I'm excited to talk with Barbara Corcoran. She's a businesswoman, an investor, a speaker, consultant, syndicated columnist, author, and TV personality. You know her as one of the shark investors on ABC's Shark Tank, which is airing a special three-woman shark panel tonight at 9 o'clock on ABC. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Kendra. How, How are you? Good. How are you? Exceptional woman. <laughs> oh, that's, you are an exceptional woman, let me tell you. No, you are the exceptional woman. It's oh. your show. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. Well, I, honestly, I have to start out by saying... How in the world did you go from getting D's in high school to becoming one of the most successful women in the real estate business? Because honestly, whatever your secret is, I'm leaving the radio station today and I'm going and I'm doing it because you are so <laughs> well, my hero. Did you get D's through I, school? Yeah. That's the key ingredient well, here, you know. Yeah, you especially. Did, there yeah, you well. go. So you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> yes. How in the world? You know, building world? muscle is a funny thing. If, you, uh, if you're a lousy student, you have to compensate in some regard. And I find that most of my most successful entrepreneurs were no good in school. Yeah. That's the truth. So, but they're very good on their feet, a little different kinds of smarts, you know? I mean, what, how, how in the world did this all start? I mean, I was reading, I'm, of course, I was reading all about you. And you basically got a loan from a boyfriend at the time for $1,000. And you had, you went through like 20 different jobs. I mean, you're basically my life <laughs> every day. And you <laughs> borrowed $1,000 and turned it into like a $5 billion company. What, go back to that moment, you know, when you're in your 20s, and you feel like, you know, what am I going to do here? What's my next step? How did you, how did you move forward? What, what I mean, how did you well, do you know, it? Well, the $1,000 loan was the lucky moment. You know, we all have lucky moments. And mm-hmm. then I knew it was lucky because where the heck was I ever going to get $1,000 again in my life? I was a diner waitress, and I was spending all the tips I was making. So mm-hmm. I had yep. no savings, and I wasn't <laughs> worried. I was only 23. But that that lucky broke break, pardon me, that lucky break was key, and I knew it. I knew it was a lucky break, and so I figured I was going to run it up the flagpole and see where it went. It wasn't even my idea to go into the real estate business. It was the boyfriend's idea. He said, you you wow. know, you got a great personality. You'd be great as a real estate salesman. Why don't you start a real estate business? I'll give you $1,000, but I want 51%. And I go, mm. you got it. It was better than the waitress job, which, by the way, I didn't mind. I was a good waitress, and I enjoyed my work. But I knew I had to stretch that thousand dollars. So I, I, you know, went, I sat down and did a little math. I wasn't very good at it, but basic math I could handle. <laughs> and I divided uh, how much an ad in the New York Times cost, because that's how real estate was sold, and a three-line ad wow. into the thousand dollars. And I realized I had roughly two and a half months to stay in business. Wow. And so I carefully wrote my first ad. And the key, I think, was my uh, the first realization uh, that I maybe had uh, some little advantage is I had a wild imagination. And when I saw the one-bedroom apartment, my only listing that I could rent, 
I visualized a wall in the L-shaped and thought, wow, if I could advertise this as a one-bedroom and den for the same price as everybody <laughs> else is advertising a one-bedroom, I would probably get a lot of calls. And I got right. like 80 calls on my one ad when most people were getting two or three. Wow. And that got me going. I got a ton of customers the very first day that Sunday when my ad appeared. So I was uh-huh. off and running. Like, I got a lot of money for my whatever it was. I think it was $85 for the ad. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of bang for the buck, so to speak. And I was very careful how I spent every penny because I needed it to stretch and I needed to be clever with everything I did. And that was the beginning. And uh-huh. it kind of set me in a certain tone right from the get-go. Uh, that I constantly sought to replicate again and again in a larger fashion. How you how you get a lot for a little, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> you I actually how you push the pedal to the metal. Well, yeah. that's funny that you you sort of you bring that up because I, I love that one of your books is actually titled "If You Don't Have Big Breasts, Put Ribbons on Your Pigtails and Other Lessons I Learned from My Mom, A.K.A. Use What You've Got." And I I was looking yeah. at that title and you know and reading your books and I. It reminded me of, you know, when I was applying for my very first job in radio, I didn't have a lot of experience that everybody else had. So I had to figure out how is my resume? How am I going to be different? What can I use that will set me apart from everybody else? And I, mm, I honestly, right I took, I went in there to go apply and there were bins filled up with hundreds of other applications. So I went back home. I took every possible experience and I just exaggerated just a little bit and on the outside of the giant envelope that I put my resume in I put colorful stickers or anything that could get them to look and go good either you. either what the heck is this girl doing or maybe I'll curiosity you know, if you know? Else. and yeah. I I just love that bet you got opened <laughs> I got the job I got the job and I had mm. no experience before so you know what it obviously it did well for me um, and I want so I want to ask I, you may I oh. say that you landed on one of the most important lessons I learned again and again in building businesses through Shark Tank and my own business over the years and that is it's more that more important that you get the attention mm-hmm. that than that you have the experience most people put so much emphasis on do I deserve it based on my background Right. Most things that I got invited in on or invited myself in on was simply good marketing. Mm-hmm. I looked the part. I looked successful even though I wasn't. I looked like I knew this even right. though I didn't know it. And then you get invited in. And then you, what do you have to do just like you had to do? You had to perform. You have to actually make it happen once that's you're right. in there. And that's no problem once you're in there. That's right. Oh, that's so, that's so true. And I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, so I wanted to ask you, is it true that you were originally turned down as being one of the original Shark Tank people. I read somewhere that you well, were... Well, I was originally, yes, I was originally asked and I signed the contract and sent it in without even reading it because I knew I was just going to grab it. What, what right. position did I have to negotiate with a giant production company, yeah. the most successful in Hollywood? So I'm a realist. I just sign it, send it back overnight. But then a few days when before I was leaving for the show, uh, I got the dreaded phone call, you know, the rejection from the boyfriend, mm-hmm. so to speak, right. saying, I'm sorry, we've changed our mind. We've hired another woman. But you know what? They sent that rejection to the right gal because I'm so good at rejection. It's Uh like my specialty. So after I took about a minute to feel sorry for myself, I give myself that little luxury. I did what I always do well. I stood back up for myself, and I sent a very short, concise email right to the producer, and I made sure that the woman who had messengered his rejection promised me she'd walk it over because I was afraid he wouldn't read it on email mm-hmm. and she promised me and I just told him that everything great in my life happened on the heels of rejection 
from wow. Sister Stella Marie telling me that I'd never be successful just because I couldn't learn to read or write. She was wrong, you know. To Donald Trump saying I'd never see a penny of the $4 million commission he owed me, he was wrong. I beat him in court. And I just wow. cited like five or six bullets in my life. And I said, I, I hope you invite us both out to compete for the seat. And wow. what do you think he did? I'm, it was a great idea. We both went out to compete for the lone female, female seat, and I won it. So, so he sent the rejection to the right chick. Honestly, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was good you. at coming back up. <laughs> I love you. I love you. are my one of my favorite people because like hearing no, just exactly what you said. I mean, I almost love now at the point in my life, I love almost getting rejection because I've become so good at it that I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you know, I, it just it it teaches me. It taught me at least to, you know, just get back up. Let's go. Let's go. Don't you know. Don't feel sorry for yourself. How can you make this better? Let's go. Fight to the very end. And and I think you are the epitome of that. Um, I also well, wanted Kendra, to... you know what oh. you get for dealing with rejection so powerfully? Even if you don't win whatever you're trying to win, mm-hmm. you do win self-respect. Absolutely. For trying. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the part that undresses people's egos, I believe, is when you shirk from standing back up for yourself mm-hmm. because it takes you down a notch in your own eyes and that's called confidence. That's right. So every time you stand up and get counted after you've been hit, even if it doesn't work, you do get more self-confidence. You get stronger about yourself and so you're winning either way. Sometimes you get a double dip. You actually get what you want and you get more self-confidence. But either way, you cannot sit down because it really quietly takes you down a notch in your own self-image. Now you've been an investor on Shark Tank for nine seasons, is that right? Nine seasons? Uh, ten and, seasons oh, from ten. day one. We didn't wow. know we, were, we had a hit on our hand. It's been a thrill, really. And you've made a lot of deals. And I, I'm sure people ask mm-hmm. this all the time, but do you have an absolute, absolute favorite out of every deal that you've made, one that you absolutely love the product just so much more than any others? Do you have one? Or, or, or on the opposite side, do you have one that you maybe regretted? <laughs> later down the road. I have lots I have lots that I regretted, absolutely. Uh, not regretted that I went into the deal, but regretted that I lost the money on the deal. Obviously, I don't like losing money, mm-hmm. like anybody. Right. Uh, but I do have uh, favorites. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to if you're a good mom, and I'm kind of like the mom of the pack. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, but, um, and I tell each person they're my, my favorite, but if you promise not to air this, I could say that <laughs> my favorite clearly is Cousins Maine Lobster because mm-hmm. it's headed by uh, yeah. two young guys that are dynamite entrepreneurs. Uh, expert flirts all the time they flirt with me. Mm. Um, I actually thought maybe one of them would marry me and they, <laughs> before they were 30, but they both got married, and neither of them married me, which was a little disappointing. Mm. But uh, they are phenomenal business people, fun to deal with. You know, why would I want to get in bed with a lot of different entrepreneurs that were, are miserable? I don't do that. I only get into business with people I really enjoy. Why would I want to be miserable with people, right? right? And by sheer coincidence or maybe by dictation of intent, uh, they always do well. The people that I really like and respect and have a immediate gut reaction to are always great entrepreneurs. And when I ignore that gut on the few occasions that I have, I've always learned that it was a mistake. I should really listen to my gut. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. And we've been talking with Barbara Corcoran, who took a $1,000 loan from a boyfriend and turned it into a $5 billion real estate business. You know her as one of the sharks on ABC's Shark Tank. And tonight, they're airing a special three-woman panel at 9 o'clock on ABC on Shark Tank. Let's continue our conversation. So when you're, you know, getting back to Shark Tank, too, when you're sitting there, because when I watch the show, I always wonder, looking at all of you, 
how soon, when, when these people come out and they've got their inventions or their creations and they're so desperate to have, you know, a deal from one of you, how soon, when you're listening to them speak, do you know in your mind, okay, yes, I want this or, you know, no way, I'm out. Like, how soon into their pitch do you feel like you know? Is it like seconds or a couple minutes or... Well, I always know within, I would say, 30 seconds whether I don't want the deal, without a doubt. Wow. Mm-hmm. And before they even open their mouth, because when the entrepreneur comes out onto the Shark Tank set, they stand in the middle of the set for a good minute before the production is ready to film. Oh. And, what, and that's very intimidating. It I don't is. know if it's designed that way, but it works that way. Mm. And the entrepreneur is, uh, starts to shake out. And so they're making eye contact and smiling. Then they're avoiding eye contact. Now they're looking. They're fidgeting. Yeah. And so I see right before me whether anyone, whether that individual is going to be any good at pressure. And if you're not going to be good under pressure, any kind of pressure, not performance pressure, but pressure, <clears throat> which is a whole category, um, I don't want that person right. as my partner because I know that business gets tough and you have to be good under pressure. But assuming I've they've passed that test, I listen hard, and I'm really just trying to size up the personality as to whether I want the deal or not. The deal is important so far as the numbers go. It's got to make sense. The product's got to make common sense. There's got to be a need for it. People reasonably would be willing to pay for it. That's like a, a litmus test. But in the end, what I'm really hyper-focused on is the personality of the entrepreneur because I really want to know that I've gotten something uh, with someone who could make a success of something. And it has little to do with the product. It's everything to do with the entrepreneur, for sure. That's interesting to hear. And that is that is a nifty little tactic to have them standing out there for a little while. See, now I'm going to watch the show differently, thinking that they have to almost yeah. present themselves for a good minute to you before they really have to even present anything to you. So that's that's a nifty yeah, little tactic. Because at home, when you're watching Shark Tank, the minute you, the entrepreneur walks through that uh, the tank, so to speak, yeah. they stand and they go, hello, sharks. Yeah, immediate, right? But it's really not on the show. It's edited, yeah. So you were in Dancing with the Stars last year, and I, I oh, want to know. Bring that I, up. Well, I'm still missing Keo. Doggone you! <laughs> well, I, I, I'm always so curious when you know people that maybe because I mean I was a cheerleader in high school, but I am not very coordinated. I, do you? Is it nerve wracking for you? I mean, you're in the spotlight a lot anyway, so I assume you're used to the attention anyway. But was it scary or was it fun? What, what do you really feel when you get asked to do something like Dancing with the Stars? Well, first of all, you feel crazy because everyone in my family, my closest friends, said, why would you want to do that? You can't dance. But that's why I wanted <laughs> to do me. that. And then the next question is, why would you expose yourself to that? You know, you can't win. You're an old babe you're competing with semi-professional dancers. All the, all the, um, I, I didn't learn until I was in there that all of the competitors had some kind of performance stage dance singing experience, oh, or wow. a lot of it, and I had none. Uh, but I didn't want to go home and wonder if I should have could have. That's mm. what has got me to do so many things. I just wanted to, I couldn't turn it away because it would be an unanswered story without an ending. And then I got the reward of trying, which was dancing with a 28-year-old, shockingly muscular man for four <laughs> hours a day for two months straight. It was great. Sounds How pretty good to me. get some guy like that to come and dance with me every day? Oh and so gosh. that was the thrill of the show, and I actually learned how to dance. I actually thought I was a great dancer. Obviously, the judges didn't agree because I was the first one eliminated. Sorry, right. you'd do better <laughs> I than I, I would great, do. But, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, but you got to get the other people thinking you're great, too. So they love my personality, but they sent me home very fast. Oh, no. I... <laughs> and I'm still missing, I'm still missing uh, the dance aspect of that. I mean, to have that monkey off your back was great. It was like, thank God it's over. Yeah. But um, the, the dancing, uh, dancing is so joyful, and it has opened up a whole other uh, piece of my life. What a, what, a, what a grateful person I am for that. So do you think, you know, getting back to just women in real estate or women in general, just do you find it harder? Are we getting better as a society for women to be able to kind of crawl their way up in any job, whether it's finance or business or anything, you know, because you're you were basically doing it, you know, when it I don't want to say like it wasn't cool for women, but it really women we're still women are not as brave to do things as they should be and they're not getting up there and you know I'm just curious because you're in it do you see it getting better for women or easier for them to make their way through or is it still that we have to work harder play harder be smarter be faster Um, you know what's your take on that well it's easier in some degree because the world is Mm self-aware and people uh, men and women alike corporate America uh, every situation is more aware when they're biased against women and offering more opportunities. So that has changed. But that's not where the battle is won. I mean, for me, um, I never, ever focused or thought about the fact that I was a woman. I thought of myself as a competitor. Mm -hmm. So any situation I walked into, I wanted to outdo and win over my competition. Mm -hmm. That was my goal. You know, I just wanted to become the queen of New York real estate, and I wanted to be the queen, the number one firm in New York selling real estate. And I became that because I was totally focused on getting there. Uh, I think if I had sidewind and thought, oh, I have a disadvantage, this is a boys club. Oh, my gosh, look at here. If I had focused on that, I would have had excuses not to succeed. So I chose to ignore what most people would say was a liability. In fact, I went beyond that. I chose instead to make my liability my asset. I realized walking into a room, an old boys network, which was clearly mm-hmm. who my competitors were, right. second wealthy generation men That's that inherited right. family businesses, um, I realized walking in, I was the only girl. And so they didn't have to know my name. They just had to know that I was different. I was the right. girl. I stood apart. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had the added advantage to very often when I spoke up, people didn't take me seriously or listen. And that's an advantage to, to, to have your competition uh, write you off when you're not going to be written off. Do you know what an advantage mm-hmm. that is to come up from behind and, and, and take over market share piece by piece because no one took you seriously? So I think the big battle here hasn't changed. <clears throat> the big battle is clearly that the woman has to envision herself as to where she wants to go and has to envision herself as a, very capable of getting there. And I think if you get dedicated to that thought, the male, female, there's an advantage, disadvantage, is a moot point. What really counts is your competitive spirit, how much you desire getting there, and how hard you're going to work to do it. And if you can get that desire up there and stay focused on it, and you're going to work your buns off to mm-hmm. put the, the, just the energy and the sheer workforce into getting somewhere in life, whether it be whatever you're doing, raising kids, you know, who are the best moms? The moms who work their buns off yep. being good moms are That's always right. the best moms, not the lazy ones, right? Mm-hmm. So it's true of everything, and in business it's clearly true. So I had that great advantage. The other one little thing I would say that was a huge advantage I had was I was a dumb kid in class. 
And so in a real way, my act in the real world in business was getting even a show to the world. I was not stupid because I was written off as stupid. And that really burnt deep in me as a kid because kids can incorporate deep injuries from whatever crap they go through as a kid. Oh, Every kid's got their crap, you mm-hmm. know? So that was a great momentum for me. And it also turned me into an over-preparer in everything I did because I didn't want to be caught with my pants down right. anymore with people laughing at me. That's right. And so I over-prepared for everything, which put it, which put a lot more work on my back. But I wanted to make sure that I was the best prepared to compete, and I always was, you know? Well, and so you know, I don't even know what the point of this was. I forget what your question I, was. No, I hope but I answered you did, in there. You yeah. did answer it. And I was going to say before I, like, we're running out of time, but before I let you go, we have to talk ah. about the three woman shark panel that is going to be airing on ABC. And I'm yes. so excited. So, what, can, Sunday night. what yeah. can our listeners and viewers expect from that? I'll tell you what you're going to expect, a power shift. We outnumber the men. Three women, two men. Yeah. Mark Cuban and Kevin O'Leary, powerful men, but they're in the minority. And I can tell you, when I walked onto the set, I didn't realize the difference until each woman started speaking. And you know what it was? It was relaxing. As weird as that sounds, it was the first time my entire life I had been in a powerful business circumstance where I was the majority, I being female. And you know what? I felt like a man. It's the weirdest sensation. I, I know what you're this saying. This is what the men yep. get all the time, the mm-hmm. majority. What a difference it makes. I it bet. gives you more control. You can could, you could put your shoulders down. So it's going to be very interesting this Sunday night to watch Lori Sarah Blakely, who founded Spanx, a billion-dollar business, and myself, oh. taking charge of the men. And it's just terrific. It was a great, great experience. I wish it happened every week. <laughs> I, I do, too. Well, Barbara, it has been beyond a pleasure to talk with you today on Exceptional Women here and on Magic 106.7 in Boston. We love you. Please, please, please call us again and, you know, continued success, although you don't really need my luck. You're doing a pretty, pretty good job. So. Hey, Kendra, congratulations on your own success. Oh, thank Not you. Not easily done and well-deserved, really. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much. Have a great day. My pleasure. Thank you to investor, speaker, consultant, syndicated columnist, author, and TV personality Barbara Corcoran for being in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women. I love talking with you. And to everyone listening, make sure you're watching Shark Tank tonight at 9 on ABC. They'll be airing a special three-woman shark panel. Can't wait to watch. You've been listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7, where we talk to celebrities and CEOs, but we're also interested in your neighbors, coworkers, and friends who are quietly making an impact in their communities. Email us if you know someone who you'd like to suggest. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to join us every Sunday morning at 7.30 for another edition of Exceptional Women. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everyone.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.